This creature from the dirt defied the everlasting holy God. Scripture is holy. It is sanctified, set apart from any and all other writings that we have ever had and will ever exist. Self-esteem, that is a satanic idea. You're not as important as you think you are. If you have no desire to know who God is, then can you even be sure that he knows you? The gates of hell itself, or the coronavirus itself, will not stand against Jesus building his church. This is what's wrong with the Christian church today. We don't know who God is. Give us a man who knows the truth. One man, Jew and Gentile, bond and free. One, there is no race in Christ Jesus. Oh, how a man needs to fear God that that man might cling to his word. Give us some preachers who aren't tripping over their skirt to get into the pulpit. What's wrong with you people? This is Matter of Theology, the place where theology matters because everything is a matter of theology. I'm Drew, your host, and I'm here with my co-host, Chris, and we are a podcast production that seeks to approach church and cultural issues from a biblical standpoint. We are on Patreon, so if you would like to partner with us, head on over to patreon.com slash matteroftheology and become a subscriber. We are members of the Christian podcast community. If you would like more Christian podcasts, go check out christianpodcastcommunity.org. Or you can also go to strivingforeternity.org. And if you are a podcaster and you would like to join the Christian podcast community, go check out the Facebook page. But remember to follow the rules of the Facebook page. I was just going to say that <laughs> a lot of people that don't follow the rules. Now, we're also going to be doing a giveaway pretty soon. Uh, and we're going to have some help with that. We are going to be giving away. Uh, there's going to be three winners. And we're going to be giving away John Owens. It's going to be a set, The Death of Death and The Death of Christ and The Mortification of Sin. Both of those works by John Owen. Every believer needs to have those in their library. Now, on today's episode, we're going to be expositing a text of Scripture. That's one of the things that Chris and I love doing. Uh, We're going to be going over Ephesians 4, verses 24 through 27. And we wanted to exposit this passage mainly because of verse 26, which reads, Be angry, and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Now, that may have been a verse that caused a bit of confusion for you, so you may have passed over it, or you may have heard it explained most often in terms of relationships, and more specifically, married guys with your spouse. Do not go to sleep still angry. Well, we wanted to bring in a cross-reference with the book of Joshua that might help shed some light on this verse. Uh, And to do that, we asked our friend from Striving for Eternity. He's a pastor. He's a speaker. He's an apologist. He's a podcaster. He's a man of many hats. Our friend, Andrew Rappaport. Andrew, thank you for being with us. Thank you for having me. No problem. We just, you know, when we get together, we just have so much fun. So we were just like, let's just have you on. You know, for those who didn't watch the the live recording that we did at, at Cruciform Conference, I don't know. You, what are you missing? Right? Yes, you're missing out a, on a lot. <laughs> yes, seriously. <laughs> That's pretty much what the whole conference was when we were together. 
You know, a- Andrew's our our uh, our second repeat guest. Yeah, who's, who's he's the only person we've had on twice. Yeah. Oh Wait, no, he, second person. Sorry, second person we've had on twice, other than Dave Jenkins. Oh uh, yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, look at that. Yeah, there you go. Now, now I got to go to break the record. Yeah, look. Now, now <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say he's gonna he's gonna come up with some idea to say, hey, let's talk about this, and that way I can come on again. So, <laughs> right. Um, so, <clears throat> as we get into talking about Ephesians and the Book of Ephesians, now there is a whole outline to the Book of Ephesians. Now, I'm not going to go through the whole outline. I'm going to post that in the show notes. But our specific passage, I'm going to tell you where it falls within the outline. And it falls uh, in the principles and patterns for members of the church. Um, So, but Chris, uh, you and I were talking about some context. Uh, Why don't you give us a little bit of context uh, to go along, just kind of set the stage for our, our text this evening? Yeah, I mean, j- just like with a, a good number of Paul's epistles, um, he spends, you know, the first the first three uh, three chapters of the book, the letter, excuse me, the letter of Ephesians, um, laying out some some massive theological truths, um, starting with. Um, I don't know you're going to post this, so I'm not going to go into massive amounts of, of detail, um, but, uh, but who Christ is to us, who Christ is, period, um, and because of us being in Christ, what we have uh, available to us as his elect, as an inheritance, uh, how we are made alive in Christ, and we see that in Ephesians 2. Um, the end of Ephesians 2 speaks to unity in Christ. Um, uh, breaks down, uh, really going through all of the, uh, the moving down the, the the dividing wall, as he says in verse fourteen in chapter two, lays all that out, um, and then and then really gets into uh, the stewardship that he has as a prisoner of Christ, chapter three, a slave of Christ, um, and 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 his position. And then moves into uh, the, this this practical piece. Uh, the last three, uh, the, the last three uh, chapters, as we have them. Of course, now when this letter was written, we did not ha- it did not have chapters and verses. It was just one continuous letter. Um, but in uh, it, how we have our scriptures laid out for us, that's what we see. Uh, and in this section, in chapter four, he he starts out by talking more about the unity that we have in the Spirit in. Christ in the Trinity. Um, and then in this section, uh, he gets into the believer's walk. Those that are, um, and Andrew, I like the way you said that, um, part of his church, those who are members of the invisible church, tr- of the truly elect, how we are uh, to walk in Christ, what that should look like. Um, so that's kind of where we are, just very, very basic 30,000 foot view um, of, of where we are in this section of scripture. That's right. So now, well, let's just get into it. Let's, let's get into this. Uh, so I will read verses 24 through 27. And just to let our listeners know, it was originally 25 through 27, but then Chris was like, no, 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 no. Let's back up to 24. And then, you know what? I'm just like, well, a good one, why not just back up all the way to Genesis? And we just read the whole thing. Well, we should, but you should at least go to verse 17, since verse 25 starts with the word, therefore. 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 
So the therefore refers back to verses 17 to 24. I'm just saying. <laughs> He's not wrong. He, he's, he's not, not wrong. wrong. You know what? Maybe we can cut some of this down a little bit and we can say, well, therefore <laughs> brings forward everything that was just said. So what was Paul just saying? Well, starting in verse 17, Paul is saying, this is how you are to walk. Okay. <clears throat> so he goes through, this is how you are to walk. And let's just cut it down to verse 24. <laughs> Here we go. And put on the new self. I think that's a great summary of 17 <laughs> through all well, the way. Well, 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 okay, hold on, okay hold so on. real quick, there's eight things he says to put off. Yes. So we'll just hit those really quick, right? He yes. says, no longer walk as the Gentiles do. And then he lists eight things. The futility of their minds, darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God, ignorant, <clears throat> sorry, ignorance that is in them, hardness of the heart, callous uh have have given themselves over to sensuality and the last one is greedy to practice every kind of impurity kind of sounds like our generation so those are the eight things he says to put off Mm -hmm. in 17 to 19 yep and then in verse 20 he says you know but you did not learn christ in this way if indeed you've heard of him that's right and have been taught in him just as just as truth is in Jesus. I love that verse. You know what? Don't you like the the kind of sarcasm there? This is not how you learned Christ. If indeed you learned him at all, because who was the (laughs) one that taught him in the first place? It was right. (laughs) That's right. So, so we move forward to verse 24. Actually, you know what? Let me, let me start at verse 22. Let me start at 22. Good call. Good call. Uh, uh, Cause you said, if indeed you have uh, heard him talking about Christ, the, the Christ you have learned that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, mm. which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit. And that you being renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, which is the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Therefore, laying aside all falsehood, speak truth, each one of you, with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Verse 26, be angry, and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not give the devil an opportunity. Selah. Selah. Yeah. Well, I thought it was important to include 22 in there because we're talking about putting on the new self. But in order to put on the new self, we have to put off the old self. So so you've talked about it, um, that there are two sides of the same coin. You can't put on something unless you put something else off. Well, and the context is so important here because as I think that when you guys heard Justin talk about this at the conference, the Cruciform conference, he he brought up this verse in the context of marriage relations, mm-hmm. which is how so many people use this verse. They, they rip verse 26 out of its context. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down in your anger. This is marriage counseling that everyone gives to new couples getting married, you know, oh, if you're going to fight, make sure that you don't, you know, make sure you resolve it before the night is out. But to put that thinking in this context and it doesn't make sense. It doesn't, yeah. it, it doesn't fit. 
with all the context that we just described around this of the things you need to put off and the things you need to put on, well, what is it, what does this have to do with then? Right. It, it doesn't, it doesn't seem to fit the way everyone uses it. Right. right. Well, and this speaks to, this speaks to having, you know, your framework. Um, I've, I've mentioned it before. We had Dr. Tom Buck on um, a, a month or so ago, a few months ago now. And one of the things we talked about, um, and I had the opportunity to do the G3 expository workshop, and that was all about framework, right? What framework are you bringing to the text? And, and what, what, what presuppositions are you bringing with you based on your experience to the text? And, and in this, um, you know, I, we have been conditioned, uh, I feel like, in, in every other way that you, you know, you look in commentaries and, and, and you, you know, you look through John MacArthur's commentaries, love John MacArthur, obviously anybody who knows me knows that. Um, but this is this this context is not really mentioned and brought out. Um, so we all come to Scripture with 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 different frameworks, and that's why it's so important grasp the context of the passage. It's important to understand who Paul was, how he was trained, who he was talking to, why he's saying the things that he's saying. But then, but then when it comes to, to this, it's just look at, look at what's around it. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't just, I mean, yes, it's, it's a good practice to have if you're married and you're fighting with your spouse. Absolutely. Don't resolve that. Get that resolved. Be quick to forgive, slow to anger. Definitely. Absolutely. That's a no brainer. But, but when it comes to this specific verse, verse 26, and this specific section, Paul is speaking to um, our new life in Christ. He is, this is what he's talking about. And, and Drew's right. We were talking offline is, you know, you, the reason I wanted to start with verse 24 for the purpose of just exposition and trying to wring out uh, what's here is, is, is he, he says, and put on the new self, which is in, um, and, and, and in the text in the New American Standard, it says in the likeness of God, um, you know, but uh, if, if, you, if you have a study Bible um, or are looking at, for example, the uh, uh, New American Standard that has the, the footnotes, I mean, it says literally what this means is, which you put on the new self, which is according to God, which according to God has been created in righteousness. So, so let, let's talk about put on for a second. Right. Put on that. That's that. That is that is something that you are doing. You are putting on to enter into, to press into, to be clothed with the new man. And when you start when you start ripping that new self apart and opening it up, I mean, it translates into a fresh, unworn man. Mm-hmm. Like if you wanted to literally translate that out, put on the fresh new man, which, of course, as we know, only happens after regeneration. Mm -hmm. So which is according to God created in created, meaning that this was not something you decided to do. This is something that was done for you. Um, and, and, but, but this is, this is an interesting juxtaposition here because it's still saying that you are to do this. Mm-hmm. You want to put on this, even though it's been created by God in righteousness. Right. Yeah. Well, it's the, it's that imperative, right? Right. Right. And we and in in the the passage of scripture we're looking at, there there are several imperatives, mm-hmm. things we are to do, commands. So we are to put on the new self. But like you were talking about, according to God, or if you're looking in the NAS, it is. Uh, in the likeness of God. In, in the likeness of God, right? Well, what is what is that? 
holiness. We are to continually be clothing ourselves in holiness. And it just, (laughs) it blows my mind that once you start talking about holiness and and seeking holiness and, and, and living a holy life, people then start referring to that as legalism. That just blows my mind as though we, we shouldn't be seeking holiness. Well, it would be legalism and it would be by works if we were saying that was what was required for salvation. Right. But something we've said multiple times, if you want to call me a legalist because I desire holiness and then also desire those who profess faith in Christ Mm -hmm. to be holy as he is holy, then fine, I'm a legalist. Well, the thing is, is that as new creations in Christ, that's what we should desire. So if our desire is not holiness— then we need to, I would seriously say, we need to question whether or not we are actually in Christ because our desire should be to be becoming more and more like Christ. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and the thing that I see here as I'm looking at this, right, putting this in the context, what's he saying in verse 25? Laying aside all falsehood. Okay, so the the context is, therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth to one another. Now, this is not speaking of husbands and wives. Okay, this is it says right there as his neighbors for your members of one another. So this is an issue of speaking truth. That's what it when it speaks about be angry and do not sin. It's in the context of laying aside falsehoods and speaking truth. Right. Not your marriage. (laughs) (laughs) Right. That's right. right. All truth should replace anything that's false. Yeah. Well, falsehood is lies, untruth. Yeah. Untruth. So, so, so we should be seeking after truth and, and and the truth should replace the falsehood in the new self and putting on the new self. Yeah. Move back up to verse 24 and holiness of the truth. That's, this is objective truth. And the word truth there is found 98 times in the New Testament, 98. Now, 20 of those times are in the book of John alone. And, you know, I, when, when I think about this, when I think about what this is saying when it comes to truth, and of course, this is one of my favorite verses, John 17, 17, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says he says that he has been, he has sanctified himself. Christ has sanctified himself in truth so that he may sanctify us in truth in verse 19. But then one of the key verses that stands out to me, John 8, 44, you are of your father, the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So so, so this is important to, to, to Andrew's point and to Drew's point. This is Yes, this is talking about marriage because I'll say that because to quote Vody Bakum, your your wife is your closest neighbor. Um, so so, but th- this is talking about in general all truth. You are to be sanctified in the truth because that's what was created according to God in righteousness and holiness of truth. Therefore, laying aside all lies, all untruth. Don't be like your father, the devil. Speak truth, each one of you to his neighbor. Now, that is Paul. And again, we have to remember who Paul is, a master teacher, a master expositor. He's quoting Zechariah 8.16 that says, these are the things which you should do. Speak the truth to one another, judge with truth, and judgment for peace in your gates. 
That is, that, that is everyone and everywhere around you. You are to be people of the truth. Mm-hmm. Christians are to be sanctified by God's truth, but then people of truth. Well, connect, c- connect what you just said about John 17, mm-hmm. where, where Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees, talking about you are of your father, the devil, right. and everything you just said relating to who the devil is. Now connect that, bring that down. To verse 27, exactly. do not give the devil exactly. an yep. opportunity. Yep. Now you exactly. see the connection in there. Yep. yep. Precisely. Precisely. So we're, I mean, and and, and Paul, Paul mentions truth multiple times, you know, as far as speaking truth, back up to verse 15. Mm-hmm. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. Colossians 3, 9, do not lie to one another. Since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices and have put on the new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. Mm-hmm. So Paul is saying that, look, we are to be people of truth and we are to speak truth with your neighbor, whether they're believers or not. We are to be people of truth. Because we are now, and again, in the context, he's talking to the church at Ephesus, and I love this, for we are members in a bodily sense of one body. And that, uh, you can, a good cross-reference there is Romans 12, 5. So we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. That's right. That's right. Thank you, Chris. You're welcome. that uh, foundation there. Uh, Andrew, thank you. Uh, Now, let's move into... Verse 26, oh, man. Right? Yeah. because some of this, th- th- there's some kind of, th- there's some questions that I, that I have, right, that naturally come up, right? Be angry. There, again, an imperative, something we are to do. This is an anger that obviously is okay to have. Be angry, and yet do not sin. Yep. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Now, before I get to the sun part, be angry, and yet do not sin, because some would say, that being angry is a sin. So now, is what? Where do we go? How do we, uh, how do we interpret that? Well, it's it, well, number one, it, it's not. Um, you see, you see multiple times. Um, uh, I mean, Christ, Christ was angry. Christ got angry um, in, in the Gospels. He, uh, a zeal for your house has consumed me um, when, when we see that in Psalms and then elsewhere when Paul quotes it. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it's not, uh, it, it, I mean, clearly here, it's a command. Mm-hmm. Be angry. Right. It's, it, I mean, th- there's no other way around that. You just. Yeah. Now I was reading uh, Charles Hodge's commentary in the Geneva series. Uh, and he says there are several uh, interpretations that people bring to this. Uh, and he says, one of them is people will try to change it to say that because they think it's a sin to be angry, they, they change the word order that says, do not sin by being angry. But that's not what Paul is saying here. There, there, there is a righteous anger that you can have. And you've explained that clearly with Jesus. Jesus had a righteous indignation. Yep. We sometimes think that we can be 
angry and not sin, have that same righteousness and indignation. But yet sometimes that doesn't last very long. I mean, we might have a righteous right. indignation for a split second, and then all of a sudden it's a selfish indignation, right? Yes. But yeah. Paul is a master of the what we call Old Testament, right? Yes. He yes. knows yes. this well. So if we want to understand what Paul's saying, we have to go back to where he's quoting. This is a direct quotation from Psalm 4.4. Now, un unfortunately, in the New American Standard, it doesn't translate that as well. Um, but it's the it is the same word here in the Spatuagen that we have in Ephesians, where it says, "Tremble and do not sin. Meditate in your heart upon your bed and be still." Now, in the Spatuagen, which is a Greek translation of the Hebrew, well, that's actually what you have in Ephesians: "Be angry and do not sin." Do not let the yep. sun go down on your anger. That is what we'd see in the Greek translation. So this here is the, what he's quoting. This is the context. Now, if we look at the context here and you, you read Psalm 4, right? He starts off, answer, answer me when I call, O God, of my righteousness. You have relieved me in my distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. Oh, sons of men, how long will my honor become a reproach? How long will you love what is worthless and aim at deception? But know that the Lord has set apart godly men for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him, tremble and do not be and do not sin. Meditate in your heart upon your bed and be still. Offer the sacrifices of righteousness and trust in the Lord. The, the context here is the contrast between David and the godly men and those people of the world. It's the, the anger that he has toward the things going on of the world, right? So this is where, where the anger is. And this is, again, in the Hebrew even, it is a command to, to tremble or to be angry. So it's a command both in the Hebrew and in the Greek. Yeah, yeah even wow. uh, now John MacArthur in his commentary when he speaks of this this first part, be angry, he says the anger is an anger at evil. It's an anger at sin that is within the world. Right. Uh, so, so John MacArthur even gets that portion. Well, and I think of you know we did a we did a whole gosh how many episodes did we do on mortification of sin, Drew? Oh, we did a couple. Uh, I can't few. remember. I can't remember if it was two or if it was three. Yeah, I, I mean, and we we went through, we read through um, as a group. Drew, Josh, and I read through Mortification of Sin by John Owen, and that, of course, is uh, one of the main passages of Scripture. Is uh, is Romans eight thirteen for for if uh, for if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body you will live. Mm -hmm. When you think about that phrase, uh, and, and in the Greek, that's just, you are putting to death. It's just one phrase. Um, and when you think about that, I mean, that's an, that's an active verb that, that, I mean, you, that, that's a command you are to put to death. You are to go to war with your sin. Mm -hmm. 
So when you think about war and going to war with someone uh, or something, there is going to be an anger there. There is going to be uh, zeal. There is the, the, There should be that. And again, that be angry uh, there in Ephesians 4.26, that that um, uh, orgismo, or, and that is the, like a, I like how Steve Lawson puts it. He's just like, that's just with a, with this just breath of just, I mean, it's, it's, it's that kind of passion and that kind of anger. You are doing war with your sin. And that's in context. That's what, that's what Paul's getting at here. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I do want to clarify Like it's, it's should be a response that we have to sin, right? It, sh- yes. it, 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 it should be that we are so angry at sin and wanting to put to death sin because we want to be uh, more like Christ, because we want to be holy. It shouldn't be that we're upset because we have to put off sin, right? Right, we, right. We no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, but no, absolutely. More so, if you look in Ephesians chapter 4, it's more specific. What is it we're supposed to be angry with? Falsehood. Falsehood. And yeah. speak yeah. truth. Yeah. I mean, yep. th- this may shock churches, right? I mean, like you mean, you mean I can't gossip? I can't at prayer meeting. I can't be. <laughs> yeah, I can't use dude. prayer meeting to gossip about my, you know, the the person sitting next to me, and you know, right? No, yep. we are to put off falsehood to a point that we should be angry yes. with falsehood and putting on truth. That we should speak truth. And by the way, we're talking imperatives. The word speak truth is another imperative there. Yes, it is. Yep. That's right. Yes, it is. Yes, yes, yes. Did you have anything else, Chris? So, yeah, I mean, just kind of moving through there. So we've talked about be angry. um, And and the word yet is a translator addition. One of my favorite things about the New American Standard is the fact that translator additions uh, are in italics. So when you're looking at that, if you're reading in a New American Standard text, which I hope you are, um, uh, then then you, Drew's shaking his head, uh, <laughs> that, then, I mean, really, that literally translates into be angry and do not sin. Right. Be angry and do not sin sin. Be angry at the falsehood, the untruth, the lies. Speak truth. Be angry at your truth, or excuse me, be angry at your sin, and do not sin. Don't do it. Right. You know, go to war. Go to battle with right. it. Right. And now, um, now, Andrew, if you have something you wanted to add to that. Well, f- the first thing I was going to add was this, is Drew, don't get, don't be upset with Chris too much. In a couple of months, he's going to give up his new American standard Bible. Right. Watch, I watch. Sure I sure he's going to be, he's going to be going for the LSB In Bible. March, you just yes, mark my words. You know, I already I, pre-ordered it. So. You know, I, I will add this. I, I pre-ordered uh, my LSB as well. I, I didn't. I didn't because I'll be at Shepherd's Conference. You'll be at Shepherd's, yeah. (laughs) Hold on. I just want to tell our listeners, when we were at Cruciform Conference, Andrew was fawning over my goat skin, Alan. Uh, I, he was he was even claiming it as his because I left it on the table. <laughs> says this is my new Bible now. <laughs> so. Well, and and I'm I'm still trying to work all that out. So uh, hopefully, Lord willing, I'll be there. So. But if not, I got one coming. Yeah, but the, the thing that we end up seeing here is though this in this passage here about being angry, it does set people off. We should never reinterpret Scripture for our lack of work. 
in yes. interpreting it. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. people that are going to say, as you said, that they are going to translate this to say, do not, you know, be angry in your sin. You're totally giving it a different meaning than right. the meaning of the text. Correct. If, if you want to sit here and say, thus says the Lord, then make sure you put the work into it. Don't just sit yes. here and go, oh, this doesn't, I don't understand this. This doesn't make sense to me. So I'm just going to give it a whole new meaning. You no mm. longer have man's or God's word. You have man's word now. Yeah. Right. right. Yep. And right. so don't claim this is what God says when you've just changed it. That's right. By the way, that's sort of a paraphrase from Calvin. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I, you know, I think about people that do that, and I have to remind them of what Thomas Watson said: is until you are above, until you are without sin, you are never above Scripture. You don't have the right to do that. Scripture's right. above you. You don't, you don't come in and change the meaning of something because you don't understand it. You put in the work. You put in the work. Use Scripture to interpret Scripture and figure mm -hmm. it out. That's right. You knew there was going to be a Puritan quote in here from Watson, right? Just, just saying. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, it's Chris. You can't go without a Watson quote. <laughs> right. right? Even even in our Marcos and in our That's text true. messages. It's That's just true. And when he did say what MacArthur said about this passage, I was going to ask, but the real question is, what does Watson <laughs> say about it? Okay, that, that's all that matters. <laughs> right? That's right? So that's right. This, there is an anger that we can have, a righteous anger, an indignation against falsehood. Mm -hmm. Okay? We, we are to be people who speak the truth. Mm -hmm. This isn't whether we... It's convenient for us to speak the truth. In Ooh. fact, most often it is not. When you have to speak the truth, it is always going to be, shall we say, easier to our selfish desire to speak falsehood Amen. because that way we don't have to put up with the conflict of what the truth brings. But the reality is, it is the truth that we should be speaking. That's the imperative is to speak truth. Mm. We should be angry with speaking falsehood. It should be something that that gets us to be upset if we were to think of speaking falsehood to our neighbor, to our, um, members of one another. That's right. That's well, right. and that, you know, it's just, just as a point of application and then Drew, let, 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 let's keep pushing. Uh, Cause I, I definitely want to uh, want to dig in here to what you're about to get into from Joshua, but look at how that applies to what we're seeing right now. What we're seeing right now is that you have you have believers in the Lord Jesus Christ willing uh, willing to to lay aside truth for 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 lies. Are you about to read it, a, tech, uh, a tweet right now? Uh, I am. I'm going to read one. I'm going to quote my brother Daryl Harrison. He oh. says this, and I mean we we have to think about this. Quote: No truly regenerate Christian should be of such loyalty or allegiance to his or her political ideology that victory is coveted at the expense of truth and integrity. To possess such a mindset is to mock God who knows the secrets of your heart, period, close quote. You know, and, and, and that's, that's just speaking to in context what we're seeing right now. I know, I personally know, professing believers, professing being the key word, who, who will sit here and say, you know, I mean, they, they they will explode right now and say that Joe Biden is the president-elect. Thank God. Well, I'm like, well, number one, there's so much wrong with that. N number two, if it is true, which we don't know yet, then so be it. But don't jump on the bandwagon on anything. I don't care whether it's politics or anything without it being the truth. What is that verse in, in, in Proverbs 18 that says that, that he who speaks before the truth is found out, the folly is upon him, something like that. I'm paraphrasing. 
But I mean, we are to be people of truth. Andrew, look, you were going to say something. Yeah, no, I was going to say, I mean, you're bringing it into the context of the election. And what frustrated me to no end is seeing people who would stand up, and I'm thinking specifically of men that we would know, Piper and others, who would say that we shouldn't vote for Trump because he's just a mean man. I mean, are you so you're seriously going to suggest we should vote for a party that supports murder, lying? I mean, just just look at what has gone on with this thing where they're they're completely just everything they said in the past. They'll change now. You know, yeah. there was, oh, yeah, there's, there was all kinds of corruption before. For four years, there was corruption. The Russians, you know, right. corrupted the, the election. And now all of a sudden, it's impossible to corrupt an election, right? right. right. Like, all of the falsehood. And for, for someone that professes to be a Christian, to stand up for a party that, that's main platform is the killing of children in the womb. Ooh, come no, on, man. no, no, you can't stand up for that. That's not truth. That is falsehood of, of like epic proportions. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I had a, I had a friend of mine uh, just today, just today, who who commented um, on on a, on a post that I made. Um, I, I, I quoted this after the election. I said this. I said in a speech over the weekend, Joe Biden addressed all seventy plus million Americans who voted for real Donald Trump to give him a chance. And I said, Joe slash Kamala slash anybody who voted for them, what do you think the three thousand plus babies murdered in the womb every day would say given the opportunity to speak? And I have a friend of mine, and I'm going to read this quote today, two hours ago. This is a massive skew and diversion completely off topic. I'm disappointed you'd post such a gross misinterpretation of the topic. And, and you, know what I, you know what I'm thinking? Here's what I'm thinking. And this speaks to, and just kind of get us back on track a little bit. This speaks to this right here. When you fail to heed the commands of Scripture, when you fail to heed the commands of what Paul is saying in Ephesians 4, to be to to lay aside falsehood, to speak truth, um, and, and to be angry and do not sin, and and you don't do that. And in the context of what we're speaking of, listen to the words of Romans 1.18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who do what suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Mm-hmm. You, if you, if you don't do this, if you, if you put on falsehood and, and lay aside truth, the wrath of God is, 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 is revealed from heaven Mm -hmm. against all of that. Mm -hmm. You, come on, wake up. You know, one of the things, and, and I, it, it just blows my mind that people are still holding to this ministry a couple years ago. Uh, or I would say maybe starting a couple years ago, the Gospel Coalition put out several articles mishandling acts where it talked about the, the believers were coming together and giving to one another as each had need. And basically in th- these articles, it did everything but say that they were promoting socialism. They were promoting socialism without actually just using the name socialism. Now, I... I because we don't have time to get into all that, I do want to direct you to a podcast that our friends over at uh, Voice of Reason did on socialism. Yeah. yeah. Uh, wow. So, yeah. so go check them out, this Voice of Reason. Um, I can't remember the name of the episode, but it was uh, "Is Socialism Biblical?" I think is what it's called. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so go check out Chris and Richard over there. Um, 
and they will walk through the context of that and what that actually means. But that's just one example. And you guys have given several of ministries that we thought at one time were solid gospel uh, ministries that are skewing and speaking falsehoods about scripture in order to push a particular agenda. There, there, there's so much there, there's so much wrong there, there's, there's so, so much wrong because that's right. so so they're just speaking falsehood in general in they're general. speaking falsehood against the president which is mm -hmm. their neighbor they're they're speaking falsehood that elevates antichrist doctrine mm -hmm. and antichrist policies mm -hmm. that's that's what they're doing and and i don't think either they understand or care that that that's what they're doing. And, and part of me either says they're either assuming the grace of God. Well, God will forgive me if I'm wrong instead of seeking after truth. Um, or they're just, they're, they're just forgetting what Romans one eighteen says. No, they, don't, by the way, they don't care. Here's what, here's how, that's, you know, because the simple reality a week before the election, what were they calling for? Yeah. Riots, chaos, burning cities. If they didn't get their way. And now yeah. that they think they, they got their way, because as Biden said on election night, it's the media, not Trump or, or Biden. It's the media that declares the president. Now, mm -hmm. it's really kind of sad. Someone should explain to him the Constitution because the media doesn't <laughs> actually declare the president. That's not how our country works, Joe. Sorry. Um, but the reality is, is that now that he thinks he won, it's like, oh, civility. Oh, let's come together. Yeah. Is yeah. he still going to be saying let's come together when his illegal votes are thrown out? Right. Or, or is he going to go back to claiming, you know, hey, let's go riot on the streets and burn down the cities? Well, I would take that farther, and I would ask the questions of, uh, of those, uh, those quote-unquote leaders or pastors in Big Eva, like J.D. Greer, uh, Russell Moore. Are they going to still be calling for unity when and if that happens? Are, are you still going to be saying, we just have to be united because our message is united? Uh, you know, I, I mean, seriously. And uh, it, it is incredibly frustrating. Obviously, you can hear that in my voice. Um, and, and, but what we have to, we have to fight for it. And how do we fight for it? You know, how, to, to what level of veracity are we fighting for this? Well, I'm glad you asked because Paul tells us right here in this verse, be angry and do not sin, semicolon, mm -hmm. do not let the sun go down on your anger. That's right. Okay. So, so I, I want to put something in context and Andrew, I know you wanted to jump to Joshua, which is awesome. So, the, the, the phrase at the beginning of 26, be angry, the word angry there and the word anger at the end of that verse are two different words in the Greek. Mm -hmm. One speaks to that, that passionate, just, just, just massive veracity of, of heated just passion, heated. Thank you. Heated passion of anger towards falsehood, lies, tr untruth and sin. Mm -hmm. This anger speaks to like a constant irritating mm -hmm. anger that <clears throat> does not go away. It, it, we, we could say it's a settled conviction. It's one that's always yes. there oh, it's and good, it's brother. always hitting you. Yes, yes. So well, notice well, the, the, Greek, the Greek for this is actually to, to be full of anger, to be furious, to, yeah. to be irate. It's not just a simple, you know, oh, I'm upset. I mean, this, right. Is, right. this is a strong term mm -hmm. to be completely overwhelmed with anger. Yeah, is that the 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 first one in be angry, the imperative to be angry? 
Yes. Is that yep. is that yep. from the uh, from from? Yeah. I don't have so, it in front of me. Is that from Orge? Uh, correct. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So so the le- the lexical form of of the word that he's using is Orge, which is that heated passion that <sighs> that that yep. that about yep. to unload yep. anger, the furiousness that that Andrew was just talking about. But yeah. then the second anger is is that there's always that deep seated conviction that is always there. Yeah. Well, and that one is more of it's anger of a mood, anger that is yeah. being provoked. It's yeah. more of a provocation. Yes. It's being in an angry uh, mood, exasperated. It's it's different in that sense. It doesn't have that same level of being overwhelmed. Right. Right. That's right. Um, so, so now this, this part of the verse seems kind of weird just to be tacked on to the end of that, because w- when you read this, it goes, obviously some questions come to my mind, like, why does it matter if the sun goes down? And can I just be angry again when the sun comes back up? So what does that have to do with anything? So what I want to do is I want to take you over. If you've got your Bibles, turn over to Joshua chapter 10. Now, if you know uh, this story, Joshua chapter 10, this passage talks about the sun that stood still. And this was so that Joshua could defeat the Amorite armies. There wasn't enough time in the day. Joshua prayed so that the sun would stand still to give them more time in the day to defeat the army. So I'm going to to battle, to to battle, to do war. Yeah. Which again, connects back to what Chris was talking about and what we should be doing with sin, with falsehood, with evil in our lives and putting, uh, putting aside the old self, putting on the new self, waging that war. It is a continual battle. So let's see what Joshua says. Verse 12. Um, And Chris, you want me to go all the way through 15, don't you? Yeah, man. Yeah. Okay. Joshua 10, verse 12. Then Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the sons of Israel. And he said in the sight of the Lord, O sun, stand still in Gibeon, at Gibeon, and O moon in the valley of Ajalon. Verse 13. So the sun stood still and the moon stopped. Mm. until the nation avenged themselves of their enemies. Is it not written in the book of Jasher? And the sun stopped in the middle of the sky and did not hasten to go down for about a, uh, a whole day. Verse 14, there was no day like that before, before it or after it, when the Lord listened to the voice of a man, for the Lord fought for Israel. Mm. Verse 15, then Joshua and all Israel with him returned to the camp of Gilgal. So something, something that, that just, just jumps off the page, um, that, that, that jumps off the page at me right here. So the sun stood still and the moon stopped until the nation avenged themselves of their enemies. What is the greatest enemy we face in this life in Christ? It's not death. Death is no longer the greatest enemy we face. Christ has defeated death. He holds the keys to death and to Hades. Our greatest enemy is sin. Mm -hmm. 
It is what what can handcuff us, destroy us. It can it can destroy what what God has given. It can destroy families. It can destroy ministries. It can destroy jobs. Fill in the blank. Our greatest enemy is sin. So. That being said, until the nation avenge themselves of their enemies, the Lord caused the sun to stand still because that's what Joshua asked God to do in prayer. Let the sun stand still until the nation avenge themselves of the enemies. So all the way back to Ephesians, do not let the sun go down on your anger in battle against sin, the greatest enemy that you have. Pray to God that he will give, that that when it comes to how you treat your sin and the anger that you have towards your sin, pray to God that he would give you an anger where the sun does not go down on that anger towards sin, yours and sin, period. I love that, 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 that imagery there. That's right. That's right. Did you have something you wanted to add, Andrew? <laughs> what was more to add to that? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> well, we want to thank you for tuning in to this episode of Matter of Theology. I mean, brother, the way you uh, brought the summation to that, uh, I don't know what what else needs to be said because that was uh, that was clear, right? Joshua did battle against the Amorites. Uh, his enemy, the enemy of the Lord. Um, and as such, we are not to let the sun go down on our anger as we fight and rage and, and make war against our sin. And more specifically against falsehood, all falsehood. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the thing right there. I mean, forget who wrote the book, uh, on acceptable sins. I think it was Jerry Bridges, Right, the, the respectable sins, I think, is what it's called. And you, you think about that, and within Christianity, there are certain sins that we think are like, oh, well, these are acceptable. We're, we're just we 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 know they're going to happen. We know people are going to use their tongue in such a way that it's you know just not going to be proper. And and yet, you know, James three makes it really clear that about the tongue about the words we use and the way he describes the tongue in James chapter three is, is not something that is very fitting for what we should see as acceptable sins. No, he says he, he, he describes this the, in verse five, that it, the tongue is like a small part of the body, yet it boasts of great things. You know, Dr. Anthony Svesher was just preaching in, in my church. I had him preach because we, we had a conference. He went through this text and granted, he's a dentist. So he got into things about the tongue just physically, <laughs> you know, more than I wanted to hear on a Sunday morning for sure. Right? <laughs> he understands what as a dentist, what a tongue's purpose is in a different way. But but he went in to explain the tongue is like a fire. Yeah. Right. It's, it'll burn down an entire fire forest this little spark just this little tiny thing it's like a rudder that drives this entire ship when you think about this the tongue and and i think he he said the tongue when you consider it is is only a couple percent of your entire body and yet look at the damage that it does in verse eight but no one can tame the tongue it is a restless evil and full of deadly poison 
This is the context of speaking falsehood versus speaking truth. And in Christianity, we have far too many people willing to say, well, when you use your tongue in a in a wrong way, it's kind of acceptable. It's okay. That is not what Ephesians 4 is saying. It's saying that we should be angry, I mean, full of anger when we hear falsehood, full of anger, not because someone is speaking falsehood about us, but when yeah, we yeah. are speaking falsehood, we should be angry, right? It's so easy to go, oh, well, when that other person says slanderous things about me, I, I'm angry at that. No, that's not the context of Ephesians 4. Right. It is that when I speak falsehood, and don't mm. speak truth. That's right. That's where the anger should be. That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know what? And I would go as so far as to say, say I'm the one that's that's speaking falsehood. Even even this, even half truth, right? Is still falsehood. So even if I'm speaking half truth, I'm still speaking falsehood. If I'm speaking falsehood or half truth, and I'm not angry, I would want one of my brothers to be angry at me and call me out and tell me that I should be angry, that I'm speaking falsehood. Why? Because we need to be holding each other accountable. And, and you know what? You know what I don't do? If, if I'm truly repentant and I truly hate sin, I'm not going to try to justify my speaking falsehood. That's right. That's right. I mean, you know, there's people who what they'll do is they'll be like, well, I'm not speaking falsehood. Everything I'm saying is true. I've just I've changed the order of events. I've I've kind of told just half of the story here and half of a story here and put them together so that the purpose is deception. Right. Yeah. But, but everything yeah. I said is true. Right. No, it isn't. Purposely deceiving someone is a lie. Right. When you don't tell the full truth because you want to give someone an impression that, you know, is a falsehood, you must hate that. That is what Ephesians yeah. 4 is saying. And the idea of not not waiting until the sun goes down to, to where it says, do not let the sun go down on your anger. It, it is the idea of dealing with it right away, being angry with your fa falsehood immediately, not a couple months down the road. Not when you get caught, but hating the falsehood now, today, it's the immediacy of it. Why? There's a purpose clause there in verse 27. And do not give the devil an opportunity. The word give is another imperative. There's a bunch of imperatives here. Yep. Okay. A bunch. A How bunch. does that happen? Because when, when, you, when you sit and make excuses for your falsehood and, and say, oh, but, you know, I want to be nice to my neighbor. Like, I don't want to hurt their feelings. Right. Right. What are you doing? You're giving the devil an opportunity. You, you do you really think seriously, put yourself in the position, you know, when someone is telling you something and they're saying it, they're not giving you the truth. They're not telling you the real story. And you know, they're doing it because they don't want to hurt your feelings. And guess what? Your feelings are hurt anyway. Right. <laughs> and when you do the same thing, do you really think they don't know what you're doing? You know when they're doing it, yep. <laughs> right? But it gives the devil an opportunity to cause division within the body of Christ, okay? It gives the devil an opportunity for lies and falsehood to continue. He's the, he is the father of lies. So when you allow falsehood, that is of the devil. Right. Why do you want that in the church? 
Well, and it absolutely. And, and when you do that, Jesus said, you are being like your father, the devil. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- think about that, that accusation, that truthful accusation and all that that entails. Uh, you know, j- speaking of James, right? J- James four says, says, submit to God, resist the devil and the devil will flee from you. How do you do that? Be angry. Do not sin. Do not speak. Lay aside falsehood. Speak truth. Be about truth, and 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 he will flee from you. Right? Look at look at look at how Christ and and I, I I like referring back to this. Look at how Christ responded to the devil when Christ was tempted. What did he say? He responded with what? Truth. Mm-hmm. That's how at it is. For it is written. It is written. It is written. Yep. Scripture. Yeah. There you go. That's the that's the thing. And what was the devil coming with? Falsehood of scripture. Yeah. Yeah. He he gave yeah. partial. Yes. Oh, Thank you. Yes. I only quote part of the scripture, not give the full context. So when you when you do that with scripture, when you take God's word and only give part of a context and give it a different meaning, you're twisting scripture like the devil does. But look at the context here in verse 28, then as, as we move on, it's he who steals must steal no longer. That means putting that off. It's not steal a little less. Right. <laughs> no, it's in fact, it says not only should he not steal any longer, but rather he must labor. And that's another imperative there. He must labor. He must work performing with his own hands what is good so that he will have something to share with one who has need. Now, notice what ends up happening. It's not enough that you don't steal anymore. He's saying this should be such a radical change that you've put off these things. You've put on this that now you are not stealing. A person who used to steal will no longer ever do that, but instead work hard with his hands to take care of those in need. In other words, when you steal, you're doing it for self because I want something. He's saying, no, it's not enough just to not want for self. Now you must want for others. You work hard, not for your needs, but you work hard for the needs of others. That's what we should be doing there. Yeah. You you know, I want to, I really want to keep going in this text because of everything we've just talked about, um, especially with the unwholesome talk and, and speaking truth. Verse 29, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification, according to the need of the moment so that it will give grace to those who hear verse 30 do not grieve the holy spirit of god by whom you were sealed on the day or for the day of redemption you know when we speak falsehood what are we doing we're grieving the holy spirit when we twist scripture when we speak things that are untrue those are things that grieve the Holy Spirit. And, you know, the, because we've talked about a lot of ministries today that have been doing this, that have been twisting scripture, ripping verses out of context. And Andrew, you said it earlier, they don't care, but they should care that they're grieving the Holy Spirit when they do this. 
Well, I mean, you look at the, the context here. They're giving opportunity for the devil, grieving the spirit. And how's the spirit described here? The Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed, sealed. for the day of redemption. The Holy Spirit is that down payment of yes. our of what we have to look forward to our inheritance. It is, it is a foretaste that we have the spirit indwelling us. And we're going to take that and treat it like it's nothing. Because if you keep going there, right, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away. That's another imperative put away from you along with all malice. What's the opposite? Be kind one to another tender hearted forgiving one another how just as god in christ has forgiven you there you go and so back to you know going again right look at the look at the parallels between colossians and ephesians he says the same thing in the letter to the colossians but you now also put them all aside anger wrath malice slander and abusive speech from your mouth Verse nine, do not lie to one another since you laid aside the old self with his evil practices and you're being renewed by the true self. So something I wanted to point out here too, in verse 29, the word unwholesome in the Greek literally translates into rotten. Mm -hmm. Let no rotten word proceed from your mouth. Mm -hmm. That, you know, Andrew, to your point, you, you talked about that, that Bridges book. Uh, I think about this sometimes, and, and I'm convicted about this sometimes. You know, you think about the uh, the, and this is obviously nowhere in Scripture, but you think about the the list of approved Christian cuss words, right? That there 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 are two of them I'm thinking of in particular. I'm not going to say them. One has to do with relieving oneself, and one has to do with the the place of hell. So it, it's like we just we just shake. You know, we just shake our finger or, or we don't shake our finger at that. We don't we're not angry at that. No, no, no. It says let no unwhole, no unwholesome talk. Mm-hmm. None whatsoever. None at all proceed from your mouth. Why? Do, all of that. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. And I love that by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, it does blow my mind that even pastors will kind of gloss over that and you know, jump on any chance that they get to use what we would call, quote unquote, as you said, Chris, Christian cuss words. Uh, well, l- l- let me just say this. I have, and I said this at Cruciform, I, I, was, I was referring to anathema, and I did say damned from, from when I was preaching. I did say that. That's what I was referring to. But, but to your point, Drew, yeah, absolutely. There are, there are, pastors and i'm using that in air quotes on purpose mm-hmm. um who who will say well the the, the prophets said it the, the right. prophets were referring to to this or they were using this kind of language so it's you know we're, we're told to be like the prophets right no you're not a prophet no because we, i'm sorry but this is becoming popular yet again and it drives me nuts when everyone's going to now justify foul language at a pulpit because some celebrity pastor just did it. And, and all of a sudden, guys that would let's let's name names, James White, who would who criticized someone years ago at a conference for using foul language. Uh, yet yeah, now it's his pastor and he's justifying it. Yeah. OK, 
What's wrong with that man? What has happened? Right? Because here's the simple thing. When you're going to sit here and say, well, look, the, the word is here. We have this word used for dung. And that's, you have to first prove that that was actually used as foul language at that time. Not because we use a term like that as foul language in our time. That is the wrong way to interpret. You interpret in the context of the time it was used, not the time now. Now, okay. I think, yeah. To, yeah. And to do that, to justify it, I'm right. sorry, that is falsehood. Right. And that's something Chris and I have, have, have talked about for, for a while. Um, now, I think it, if you want to get a great insight as to how that word was used back at that time, Michael Riccardi um, from the Master Seminary, he made a great, great post on Facebook. Um, I'll have, man, we'll have to find it again to share it, but he went over the history of that word and how it was used beautifully done. And in no way was it seen as foul language. Correct. The, you know, and, and the point of all this, the, the point of all this, right. Is, is, and, and, and Paul's, Paul's reminder to the church at Ephesus, um, is to, is to be holy. Be holy as he is holy. This is what you aim for. This is why you're doing this. This is this is a command. This is canon. This is the, the, the truth. That period. This is it. This is what you aim for. Um, and 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 he clearly lays out why. Um, to, we are to be people, and I've said this multiple times, and I'll say it again, and, and then I'll, I'll, I'll be done, uh, of sanct- sanctified by the truth found in Scripture, sanctified by the Scriptures, but be people of truth all the time. That's the aim. That's the goal. That's right. 35 times in the Scriptures, we are told to be holy. Yeah. A lot of times yeah. in Leviticus, just saying. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a is there a, a lesson you could point us to? <laughs> Man, there's a great sermon that we just heard at this conference that that we could refer people to. But but people don't think about that. You know, we are commanded to be holy. Yeah, we, yeah. But can, but Andrew, I can't be holy. Granted, neither can I. That's right. That doesn't lower the standard. Right. That's, oh come on. That's right. That's right. I mean, and, and I said it at the beginning, as as believers in Christ, as a new creation, we should want to be, and, and I'll quote Robert Murray McShane, we should want to be as holy as a saved sinner can be. If we're not yep. striving after holiness in our Christian walk, then I don't know what you're striving after. What was it Jonathan Edwards desired to be? The most righteous Christian? Mm-hmm. That was his desire? Mm-hmm. Um, n- not to earn God's favor, but because of what God has done, because of the salvation that he had, he received, right. that was his goal. Right. Stamp that was eternity his... on my eyeballs. That's right. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Well, and, and MacArthur says, you know, he wants to be so to a point where there's not much difference when he's glorified. Right. And he, and he says there may be some people we won't recognize in heaven. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> because that change will be so drastic <laughs> you know it was uh I, I was speaking with someone last week and i was talking about how uh, mark driscoll is unqualified 
And the person I was speaking to said, Mark Driscoll has done more for the gospel than any of us will ever do. And I'm thinking John MacArthur has done way more than Mark Driscoll. I'd much rather be like John MacArthur if I had to be like anybody. Uh, so don't, uh, me, d- 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 don't, don't, don't open that can for me, please. <laughs> Please don't open that. Uh, I, I'd much rather be more like a qualified pastor than an unqualified pastor. <laughs> you know? When you're justifying that somehow a man who God has said is disqualified, this is God. This is His word that states that it's not us. Right. It's God's standard, and to say, "Well, He's done more." Well, He could do more if He wasn't disqualified. Right. But as of right now, you have to wonder the fact that he could be disqualified and seemingly unrepentant of that. Mm-hmm. That's right. You have to start to wonder not whether he's disqualified, but is he saved? Right. Now, I'm yeah. not I don't know his heart, but how can a man stay in a state of disqualification and ignore God's word and then say, He's going to be a, a, a pastor, someone that's going to proclaim God's word. How Reinstate can you do himself. that when you're not living according to it? Right. That's right. That's right. You know, I mean, and just so everyone knows, my show notes, I'm going to sign them and give them away to somebody. So, uh, you know, just, <laughs> just to be like Mark Driscoll. <laughs> that's okay, because it'll be Chris Honholds who wins it. He wins everything. <laughs> That's right. It's going to be rigged so that Chris wins it. <laughs> so Chris, just you know what? Just text me your address, and uh, yeah, because <laughs> I know he's going to listen. So just text yeah, why, me your address. Do, I'll just send you my notes. Yeah, why don't you you have a contest? I'll enter his name and then close off the contest. <laughs> That's right. <Yeah. laughs> he's, I, I mean, I rigged them for him anyway. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> This is, by the way, Chris Honholds of Voice of Reason Radio that we're referring to. <laughs> and if you don't know that joke, he, he claims he never wins anything. And then all of a sudden he was winning like contest after contest, a re- leather bound uh, reader's Bible from ESV, the, the six volume series and all kinds of things he won. Now, granted, there may be a little bit of rigging that did go on. I did have a contest. I did have a contest where I entered his name. I do admit it. I entered his name and his was the only name that was entered because I didn't announce the contents. And then I announced that he was the winner of a contest that I never announced. <laughs> he of course blames me because Andy Olson from Echo Zoe radio had a contest and Rich, uh, Chris actually won. And so he, Chris still blamed me for rigging it, but I, I really did not I, I just agreed that Andy should give it to him. <laughs> nice. That's funny. That's funny. Uh, so, Chris, we know you're listening. Uh, if you really want my signed show notes, you just let me know, brother. They're yours. You hey, you know, this <laughs> this this week, or it depends when this drops, but uh, Chris came on to The Rap Report and did an episode with us, with Bud and I, on a book he's been reading on white fragility. Uh, oh, yeah, that's right. He I, has I read his he wrote review. A great, he yeah, read yeah, a great, yeah. yeah, he wrote yeah. a great review for it. It was a great review, and we went into it uh in in more detail uh it was it was a great episode yeah you know it's it's been really funny watching his uh back and forth about his uh review because he's he he always says i went through the headache so you didn't have to And, and apparently he had a lot of headaches 
Yeah, well, you know that, was, that that's what I've always said why I spent 14 years studying false religions. I've always said I I did the work so that I could systematize it so other people don't have to. Right. Yeah, you know, just get my book what does they believe and save yourself 14 years of headache. I mean, you'll have more hair than me. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I don't I don't have any hair on my head. You guys that why you got the beard? Yeah, that's why I have the beard. Yes. I yeah. need something to comb cuz I I mean <laughs> I got no hair in my head, so. Yeah, I, you know, Chris, I was, I think it was on Chris's wall that I saw a picture of you before the beard. I didn't even, it was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Is that Drew? Yeah, man. (laughs) Baby face Drew. You know, it's, so I'm getting to the point where I'm about to cut it off though. It's getting super annoying, getting, it's, it's irritating when you try to eat and food and stuff just gets all in the mustache and it's it's no fun so i'm getting really annoyed with it so essentially you're saying you don't know how to properly have a beard that's you know what that's true <laughs> this <laughs> awesome. this Instead is of learning how to, how to how to you know properly wear facial hair he's just gonna get rid shave of it off <laughs> yeah are good. you really reformed <laughs> <laughs> coming from a guy with no beard uh yes i am actually. well for a very simple reason see and and I, i'll give you the reason i have no beard and you will not only agree with me but you'll commend me okay all right so it's very simple it's very simple see my wife looks great with long hair she is she's a great looking woman i like her hair long she thinks she looks better with short hair and she thinks it takes less time to take care of her hair if it's short However, I tend to think that I look much better with more facial hair. The more you can cover this face, the better. I would agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she disagrees. Uh, but I think it's, it's a lot easier maintenance wise if I don't, if I have my beard. And so it's very, very simple. We made an agreement very early on. She has her hair long for me so that she looks good for me. And I have no beard for her to look good for her. Okay. So I will not have a beard because it pleases my bride. There you, there you go. go. See, so I'm before we came in here to record, I asked my wife. I said cuz I told her I said I said I think after November I'm just I'm going to shave it off and she said, "Okay." And and I was waiting for her to say, "Well, if she liked it or if she didn't like it." Cuz if she likes it, I'll keep it. If she doesn't like it, I'll get rid of it. But all she said was, "It's your face. Do whatever you want." Did you ask her which she wants? I did. Or are you just trying to read between the lines to get the answer you want? <laughs> no, oh, I did boy. ask her once she said. But we are talking about speaking not in falsehood, but truth. I'm just saying here, if you want to know what she thinks, just ask her. No, I, well, after. after okay, after the just, recording, you go, honey, <laughs> do you like me with a beard or do you like me without it? Because I will yeah. shave it if you want it off. See, that's how you do this. <laughs> nice. It, it, for our listeners, I get marriage advice from Andrew <laughs> <laughs> because he's been married longer than me. <laughs> oh, dude, I've probably married longer than you guys have been alive. Who knows? Uh, maybe. 26 years. Uh, nope. thir- I just turned 34. Okay. Well, so you guys were in elementary school when I got yes. married. That's yes. a pathetic thing to think about. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, oh, that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> Anyways, we're getting out of here. We hope that you have enjoyed uh, this episode of Matter of Theology, our exposition of 
uh, Ephesians 4, verses 24 through 27. We hope that it has edified you. We hope that it has blessed you. We hope that you are encouraged to pick up scripture and actually do the work. Uh, not just not not just read and gloss over things and, and get surface level uh, information, but actually dig in and do the work. This is why we Come do on. these expository uh, episodes so that we can show you just how rich the scripture is yeah. um, and, and how much it relates to our life and how enjoyable it can be to dig through scripture. So we hope that it has blessed you. We hope that you pick up your Bibles, that you go to work in learning what God's word has to say and then apply it to your life. So with that, we are going to be getting out of here and we will catch you on the next one.